It's View From 202, a New York Red Bulls fan podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and direct from our website, viewfrom202.com. It is episode 46 of View From 202 on a rainy April shower Tuesday, um, on a week after a second in a row New York Red Bulls 2-0 win at home, this time, of the Columbus Crew. Um, as always, I am Britt Bird, joined by Alex Peaches Chang in Sam Place. How are you guys? Uh, I'm all right. We win, so I have a good week. That's yeah. what happens. This is one of those weeks where I feel like I feel like there there was a lot to talk about or singing about a lot of things I could say in this part, but then I just couldn't hold my or I couldn't bite my tongue, and we just all talked about everything on the group chat already. So I don't <laughs> I don't know. This is an instance where. Uh, yeah, modern technology has has ruined everything. All of our, our group chats have ruined our uh, incredibly old uh, medium of podcasting. So, <laughs> bam, that's good. Well, everything's certainly good in uh, Red Bulls land. We had a two zero win, as I said, uh, over the Columbus Crew, who uh, are at the top of the Eastern Conference table. So a solid six pointer, uh, second in a row on our home. A mini home stand at the beginning of the season, um, courtesy of a goal from yet again Alex Muil. That's it. That's his second of the season, right? Second and two. Okay. Second, second with two, his new yeah. name. Second with his new name. I, I I told you right. He waited for him to change his name, and make sure everyone pronounces it correctly. And then he's scoring. So the highlight reels that he has reflects right. his actual pronunciation. Right. He was intentionally holding back last season. Yeah. Because he didn't want disinformation. That's that's admirable. Um, but it's it's a, kind of a team goal on Saturday that he scores, and uh, he's a bit lucky, to be honest. Um, it deflects off of the defender who's sliding in on that really good cross from Taxi, um, and then pops up right in front of him, he finishes it, slams it right in the neck to open it up. Uh, he actually had a chance about, what, a couple minutes, couple later. minutes later that I, I didn't... Notice we were late to the game, so we didn't actually see the first goal. But uh, I saw it on the. We were late to the game despite last week we're saying we're going to the tailgate. Yeah. Sorry we'll, about we'll that. We'll do that this time, though. Yeah. We promise. Unless it's <laughs> raining. If it's like it, like it is now, I'm, I'm not going to stand the tailgate. But all, every, all things being equal. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, and, and then um, the second goal of the, of the match. Of course, is on a penalty uh, drawn by Bradley Wright Phillips. Oh my God, we scored a penalty! Yeah, it was it was really a cut and dry penalty. It was a good call from the ref, um, and he I, played advantage too. Yeah, which was strange because I would have been pretty mad if Bradley had gotten up for that tackle, gotten the ball, shot, and then been saved. Yeah, because. On the one hand, the ref was somewhat correct, I guess, to notice that Bradley had, I think, admirably gotten up immediately and, mm-hmm. and chased the ball, um, but it was at a strange enough angle, and he was put off enough by the defender, even though he, the defender didn't win the ball, that I think the, the chance was substantially altered. So in a way, I think we're kind of lucky that uh, Stefan comes out and uh, saves it, or, or kind of saves it. Maybe the ref also recognized <clears throat> that we had missed our last three penalties. 
and just wanted to see if he could help in any way. Yeah, Bradley should have sure. just uh, taken it outside of the box and then got fouled again, and then we would have had a better chance. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, the, yeah, but I do think it's a weirdly textbook case of a, a penalty where um, it's it's not a, a dangerous, uh, but it's very clear that uh, Cronial, I think it was Cronial, right, missed the ball. Yes, um, he played very, very poorly. And uh, it turns out somebody on this team can score penalties. Daniel Royer is the answer to our question of who is next on the Here's list. Here's what I think happened in the training ground. I think Jesse looked at everyone and like, Oh, shit, we don't have any Germans. Uh, you're Austrian, that's close enough. Close enough, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I we like, should have kept Leo Stoltz for penalties. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> should have, we should have kept Frank Rost for this, clearly. <laughs> um, that would have been pretty cool if <laughs> goalkeeper was just our PK day. We sub in uh, Jürgen Sepeside. Jürgen, <laughs> you were like a little baby. Watch this. Puts in Frank Rost in No one knows half. that meme. It's but okay. You... It stands on its own in this instance. Uh, put in Frank Rose first half and just stand as as a I don't know winger for the rest of the match. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Royer hits it nice and with authority, and and Stefan actually gets his hands on it. But it turns out if you hit the ball hard while you're shooting <laughs> on a penalty, it's harder to save it. So who what? knew? Yeah. So, so much to tell Sasha. Yeah, Sasha uh, is, uh, is is relieved of his duties. relieved of his duties. To Bradley's credit, when he was missing penalties, he was still generally hitting them hard, and like directionally. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was just hitting the post, if I remember correctly, and then hitting it over. And yeah. Then, um, maybe it's safe to say he got a little bad luck, but um, yeah, I think Sasha is definitely worse. But nonetheless, Danny Royer puts it away. We're up to zero in the first half. There are no goals scored in the second half. Um, Although there could have been. There could have been. There are some really good chances on our on our uh, part. Uh, Derek Etienne comes in the game, plays pretty well. Um, uh, who else comes? Sean Davis comes in at the very end. Uh, doesn't really quite Tyler get enough time well, to, to get his game. feet wet. And then Frederick Goldbranson also makes a an appearance. Um, I will maintain, we can talk about more of this later, that Columbus actually controlled a decent part of the second half that makes them a little worried. Um, and if not for their lack of ability to finish, uh, gives me pause to say we're absolutely, or it makes me hesitant to say that we were dominant. But when it mattered, we were. Yeah, we also broke a record this week. Which was? Uh, playing the most homegrowns in a single game. Oh, which is how many? Five. Wow. See, can we name them? It's Connor Laid, Tyler Adams, Derek Etienne, Davis, Sean Davis, Adams. I already said Adams. Um, you did? Yeah. It's uh, not Aaron Long. Uh, he doesn't count. Oh, Muil. Muil. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, were they all in the field at the same time? No, they could have been, except they uh, decided to switch off Adams Muil for, or for instead somebody. of yeah. Do- uh, Royer. Man. That is impressive. Um, but yeah, how do we feel about this game? I've got, I guess I've already elaborated a little bit, but it's a good one. I think the consensus is that we're starting to um, look like our old, sel- our old selves, including our formation. It it was the four two three one. We were in section two hundred one this game. Because slightly truer, right. slightly truer to our namesake, and uh, I feel like this is a pattern with us. Every often, every so often, we go up there and we go, "Oh my God, you can see the formation so much clearer. You can <laughs> see it." Um, but yeah, it was very clear from up there. Right, mm-hmm. Sasha in the middle. Yeah, that was good. It was a great game. 
Um, I think uh, it eased some doubts that I had been kind of the, a lot of not a lot, but it had slightly eased some of the doubts that I, that I'd been voicing over the last like three episodes about mm. how like there's a lot of uncertainty um, and maybe. I don't. I don't know. I like the formation. I like the four-two-three-one. I think it looks better. I think that we also benefited from an early injury. Was it Artur? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was out, and then Cornell, or however you say his last name, the the center back, just he got played. injured when he made the tackle, the penalty. Yeah. And he and he got yeah. He also got subbed out. He he played poorly in general as well. Um. I mean, I think that part of it, like. It's weird because I want to say Columbus looked as bad as they did last season, but they had started off very well. Uh, and so, like, you know, I, I guess maybe some of that could be attributed to to, to our team playing well, well uh, I, I as ju- opposed to really, I don't, I don't know, anything else. Right. I think Justin Merrim uh, is continuing his good form from the season. Even in our game. Oh, yeah. Justin Merrim looked great. Um, he did. I was I will say that I think Columbus looked very bad in the final third. But otherwise, I thought they were they were pretty good, right? Um, pretty exceptional team. Where there was that period, I think, from about 55 to 65, maybe even 75, 75th minute, uh, where Columbus was very effective at making us chase the ball in a way that made me worried. Where um, we had really committed to the press, I think, more than we have so far this year, and just doing it. I think we're just more comfortable doing it in the. Oh, I think I think yeah. we are obviously more comfortable doing it, and I, I think it was also a deliberate decision because of that shape. Um, but they successfully kind of rope-a-doped us a little bit, I think, where they, they held on to the ball for a good 15-minute spell, 20-minute mm-hmm. spell, and we were running a lot, especially our top, f- our, our front four were running a lot um, in a way that made me nervous, and they're effectively shuffling and switching right in time. And they could have capitalized then, but they didn't because they repeatedly were kind of just throwing in these final balls to nowhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they were so bad. I feel like as you know, they should be better with Igaine and and Maram on that team, and uh, I guess eventually Ethan Finley who came on, but I guess he's slumping. But we're kind of let off the hook there. I feel like I could see the germ of the playoff version of this game that would go wrong, which is that on the one or two chances they had, or like the, the, it's, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but no, like the ones just, that have already you're just happened. Bad. Memories yeah. back. Yeah. But <laughs> so there's that one in the first half. There are a couple instances where Miram and then somebody else, I think, awful a couple times, just like uh, lured in one of our defenders yeah. who gambled and like just barely missed. They like slightly got their foot on the ball, but they just barely missed. Like Philly Open Cup last year. Yeah. With Connor Laid. Uh, sure. Mm. Yeah. And they just barely missed. Miram streaked down and he got saved really well by Robles. If one of those goes in. Um, as it did last in the playoffs against Columbus, and then they effectively move the ball around, um, then I, I think that's how we lose to them, and it wouldn't shock me if that happened later in the season. I okay. think that's also that's, what Montreal kind of did that's, against us. That's fair, but <clears throat> I think to play devil's advocate, there were three chances that we probably should have scored on. Bradley's shot, Etienne's shot, and Adam's shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same... Uh, I mean, it, it could have been... Wor- it could have been... We could have blew them out, out of the water. Oh, that's true. And, and we didn't. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that um, we... I think we looked significantly better than we have in any other game this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and we looked as good as we did last year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I agree which, that we looked as which, which is Which is really, really promising. Um, it's nice to know that we can do that. Uh, it, I guess the concerns then become about the system. 
uh, and sort of what we have to do moving forward, whether it's going to be a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-2-2-2. Right. This is definitely um, a tougher question, but let's answer it kind of quickly. Um, if we get better at the 4-2-2-2, do you think we avoid the pitfalls that you're talking about? Uh, I mean, I think it's hard to say because I, I don't know what the good 4-2-2-2 looks like. I don't watch Leipzig. Oh, um, so They're fun to watch. <laughs> they are really fun to watch. Yeah, well... They are, but I don't... I, I mean, I agree with a lot of people in that I don't think we have the staff to do what Leipzig yeah. do. Not yet. I mean, I don't think we do. With uh, The turnaround's too short. I mean, they've, no, had, I they've had how many years to, to work on this? Since they bought the team. Yeah, which was, what, seven, seven, seven years ago? Oh, nine? Yeah. Yeah. So, like yeah, so they've had time to work on this. Yeah. Uh, this is still, so it's been integrated. I mean, they're trying a lot harder this season than the last season to do so. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's kind of unfair to give them the same criticisms that you would to Leipzig because no, they've yeah. had more time to do so. But I think that, like, you know, over time, uh, they'll improve on it. So I think, yeah, Britt's right. That sure. It's, it's a little early to say. Sure. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's do Goat and Wot for this one. Goatist and Wotist. Um, Bringing it back. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're bringing it back. Yeah. Well, I, I can we're bringing start, it back with a 4-2-3-1, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. All right, go ahead. Um, I, I thought Bradley played really well. Okay. Game, like, really exceptionally well, uh, even though he didn't get on the score sheet. Um, there are a lot of players who played really well. I thought Adams played well, and then mm-hmm. Etienne, in his sub-appearance, was sparkling mm-hmm. in a way that was really promising. Oh, turn. But, turn. Okay, okay, not to rain on his parade, but the turn kind of did deflect off the defender. And then, I and, mean, then, and then took the most. It was like the most fortunate deflection in, at at his feet when he was facing goal. No, I I agree, but like some of the ha- most famous plays in soccer though, have kind right? Of, kind yeah, of from no, this. I know, yeah. I know. Also, I he know. had the wherewithal to keep running with it. So That's I true. Mean, yeah. No, I trust me, I, I uh, he deserved that goal. Like, I wouldn't have done that turn. He was so <laughs> close. Well, I well, mean, there you that, have we're gonna have open one. up an, a whole other can of worms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Bradley's good, and I think he's added an element to his play that is seems new. He's been. Me- Beating guys one on one, I feel like more I agree than yeah. than I'm used to seeing. He specifically kind of does a uh, switch across his body. It's kind of like a euro step in basketball, mm-hmm. but with a soccer ball. Um, and uh, has consistently been beating guys on the outside of the box with that uh, to really great effect. So mine's Bradley. Uh, long, great game, love mm-hmm. it, love the defense, so consistent. Um, <clears throat> I think to to just for the most part, really silence Ola Kamara, who's been playing pretty yeah. playing pretty well this season. Uh, it speaks volumes to how well he's playing so far. So props to Aaron Long. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everyone who played that you guys mentioned played well. Um, I also thought that um, Royer looked good, despite I think you you will object to that. Um, but my my goat is Kamar. I think Kamar um, yeah, has really, really stepped well. up. Yeah, I think he's just right in in good form right now. I feel really secure with him. And that run he made for Muil's goal was uh, uh, how far back it started. It it was great. Yeah, I mean it was. I, I mean that's just it was very similar to like <clears throat> the the length of the duration of the run that he made yeah. when Grella scored or when not Grella scored. Um, was that own goal? Yeah, against Atlanta. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was it's the same sort of thing. I, we, I think we need more of that. That's great. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kamara's I think been really good recently, and I think it's understated. And you know, I usually give my Wotus to a fullback. But yeah. All right, so, you still can Wotus. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of that, do you wanna you wanna take it? Um, the scape Wot is not here this week as Connor Laid played and did win the patented 2.5 Connor Laid headers. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know who to. 
blame i don't it's hard for me to make yeah i don't, I don't think I, I don't really have a vote this week to no, be honest we have to have one though uh, it's true swing it do it uh, you know what? I, I thought Royer played well, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you giving him both the goat and the woat? No, I gave Carr the you know, goat. No, he gave an honorable honorable goat and then woat. Look, I'll give, I'll give so just happened Royer there. both the honorable mention and also the woat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I have nothing, how, I how? How? Because he, he could have been better, I guess. That's that's my reasoning. What? Uh, okay. It's a I, weak woat, okay? <laughs> yeah, it is weak. I don't know. Oh, look, there's not a lot to say about it. I guess I would just say that it, in games like that... Uh, I would just give it to the the, the, the worst player on the Fuck. field. Bill Branson? I don't, I don't know. I, I guess I would I would say Laid. I guess. But he won two oh, headers. Fine. He did, He just didn't. I, don't I know. guess he was kind of responsible for the Miram run, but that's it. He didn't look. Yeah. He didn't look remarkable, and he also just didn't like compared to Kamar Lawrence. He's significantly worse. Okay, fair. But I, I love him to death, and I love that he wins. He didn't have his. a bad game though. I know. Yeah. I don't. I don't right. think anybody had a bad game. No, just I'm reiterating that. Okay, so I'm gonna go with. Uh, Gold Branson, I guess, just because he played the least. So there you go. Uh, other no, it's Verone for warming up and not Ver- playing. Verone is alive. We saw him. He's he was on the bench. And then uh, last thing that I will mention is even though I didn't go to Felipe, his one touch quick pass before the pressure could arrive to Sasha was I think the most important part of that first goal. Yeah. So great contribution from Felipe there. Good game. All right, so that's going to wrap segment one. Um, we're actually going to have three segments this time because uh, there's some, uh, yeah, there's some other like miscellaneous news items we're going to talk about in segment two. So join us for that after the break. Thanks, ugly guys. I just on your bitch like water. I splash on your bitch with the water. I feel like I'm 21 Savage. I pull up and fuck on your daughter. I just on your bitch like water. I splash on your bitch with the water. I feel like I'm 21 Savage. I pull up and fuck on your daughter. Segment two of View from 202, episode 46. Uh, for this second segment, it's going to be our middle segment for this episode. Uh, we're going to talk about two different news items that came across our screens this week uh, that have a surprising uh, relevance to the New York Red Bulls. I think the first of which is an article in Yahoo by Leander Scherlakens. I don't know. Leander jokes about it himself. His like Twitter avatar is that or his twitter handle is just leander alphabet because it looks like his last name <laughs> just a bunch of letters because it's dutch but uh peaches i think you've got the lowdown on this one yeah um i mean the article basically i think talks about the um the rise of anti-fascist um sentiment across mls what's its title it's called how trump presidency created quiet anti-fascist movement in america's soccer stadiums mm-hmm. 
um, which pretty much summarizes the article in that, you know, after the election of Donald Trump, there's um, a rise of, you know, hate crime related incidents. Um, and a lot of people in that kind of angst and fear have uh, turned to um, becoming more vocally anti-fascist. Um, I mean, quietly so. It, it just kind of seemed to be a little bit more of a subtle thing. But um, notably in the Colorado Rapids game, on the capo stand, you saw an anti-fascist flag. Um, there is a growing uh, support of Antifa as a movement uh, across MLS supporters groups, um, which, in my opinion, is a good thing um, in that we're not like, you know, some um, Eastern European groups or people aren't trying to emulate that kind of... Um, right, or like Lazio. Right. Or, yeah, so you may have seen the, the logo that's the flag that um, the colors are, are red and black, um, and one, one uh, logo that goes around is, is kind of like a black and red flag staggered on each other, and it says anti-fascist action, either in English or in German, mm-hmm. around it. Um, another one, another common uh, iconography is three arrows pointed down to the left in a circle, um, which is kind of like uh, supposed to symbolize, I think, uh, arrows like it's supposed to be like a counteract to like to the fascies because like mm-hmm. which is like the symbol of original like Mussolini fascism yeah. which is like a, a bundle a, like a specific bundle of sticks it's supposed to symbolize I think like breaking the bundle and shattering it right and it's you know from the Iron Front and it was often used to cover swastikas yeah so it's like kind of like a way of crossing out yeah so Antifa I guess basically is is kind of a, a I think most of the time loosely affiliated it's hard to say that it's really like a hyper-organized thing. It's not. Oftentimes it's just kind of a, a more of a coalition or, or yeah. loose configuration of uh, organizations that uh, seek to be explicit in their uh, explicit and present in their opposition to fascism. So you may have heard about Berkeley recently or like in Philly where uh, like a bunch of alt-right or Nazis we're planning mm-hmm. on marching, um, and so what like Antifa does is they show up off in what's like called the black block, where everyone like conceals their face, you know, for public safety and, and anonymity, and show up and uh, basically command the public space for anti-fascist purposes and, and don't allow fascists to have a platform. They no platform them, right. basically. I mean, they kind of get a bad rap in, I can't believe I'm saying this term, and mainstream media, um, <laughs> because, you know, they, they often... Um, there, there's often property destruction. And well, when we like were that, joking was... about the DC episode, or, or I don't know that that episode where we were in DC or something, yeah. and I, I was saying how people were bemoaning like the broken windows of the Starbucks and like how they're crying about that. Like that, that's kind of what we're talking about. Like a lot, a lot of you know. I mean, if I could buy pearls to clutch, I would. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's that's what we're getting at. So we're tipping our hand towards our own leanings here, but you know. Not that we ever deigned not to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it talks about several groups in MLS, right? Right. So so they mentioned that they, they find four specific active um, Antifa groups in North American soccer. Um, and they're associated with four teams, um, the Cosmos, the Red Bulls, Montreal, and FC Dallas. However, for this article, New York comes right into the front because they're the only people that seem to interact with Yahoo um, for this article. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Gorilla FC, which is um, a supporters group for Seattle Sounders, very and uh, an official one, uh, seems to 
describe themselves as Antifa because it aligns with their views of anti-racism, anti-sexism, anti-homophobia. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, like, um, uh, solidarity, I guess, by supporters groups. I mean, the Rapids right. uh, is a good example, as, as was, like, the like the main picture of that article. Um, right. But the groups that are being discussed are explicit Antifa groups within the supporters groups. Yeah, of, they're not the supporters of, groups of themselves. The right. Right. So I like wouldn't like while ESC has a rich history of being anti fascist, the like the metropolitan Antifa is not ESC. Yes. Um and that I mean it, I think New York comes to the highlight too because there have been um, more specific run ins with this kind of situation. Um I mean obviously um, you, we, we mentioned this article before about you know this, the, that Vice Sports article talking about the socialists that saved MLS from neo Nazis. Um, ESC obviously had some run-ins um, with more right-wing folk uh, mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, there was a tussle. Now they're no longer here. <laughs> Hope I mean they're not here. Yeah. They found somewhere else to hang out. Um, and <laughs> yeah, and, and mentions. Um, I mean, I think a lot of NYCFC fans um, probably kind of are taken aback by this. Um, but the the rise of um, supporters groups like Batayon uh, 49 mm-hmm. um, and uh, Empire's, Empire's State, State Ultras. 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 Um, uh, obviously, um, Battalion, uh, Battalion 49, if that mm-hmm. yeah, um, it, they were kind of responsible for the, the tussle in Newark and the Ironbound. Um, the sandwich board incident. incident With Garden yeah, State Ultras. They're the, the Hispanic Nazi skinheads. Um, and the um, uh, Empire's uh, State... Empire State Ultras have been seen with stickers in Brooklyn recently that, you know, point out to white power. Uh, they explicitly, say explicitly, explicitly, explicitly yeah. And they're, they share, like, the same blue-orange uh, color scheme, right? right. Which is very, it's all about that. Yeah, and, and it talks about how um, these groups are more emboldened um, since the rise of what, you know, people call Trumpism um, and the, the, the more outward... Uh, discussions of racism and, and the corresponding rise go on around yeah. um obviously you know uh, us in the red bull community or the metro stars red bulls communities have already had run-ins with this kind of thing um i guess my point here and um the article doesn't really talk about this but my point here is that i think that there is kind of more of a legitimate threat of these people infiltrating groups um i think fascism at large is um taking control of you know, mainstream, um, more right uh, ideologies to cover for um, more extreme instances. Um, and I, I, I think that the rise of this in response to what we're seeing in our political climate is um, indicative of kind of where U.S. soccer is. Because, you know... Right. Antifa is probably considered a fringe movement, but within U.S. soccer, it seems to be kind of um, mainstream and supporters groups. Right. Well, I think one thing that's noticeable, or now more noticeable maybe, is that, you know, right wing and police violence, of course, is, you know, already very entrenched in our country. Yeah. Uh, It's from the very beginning. Um, Now I think uh, a lot more people are noticing it more. but uh, th- this confluence into soccer, I think, is, or the convergent or spilling over to soccer, I think, is parallel 
kind of to what's happening, I think, you know, on the right in general, that there's kind of like a new Europeanization aesthetic fetish where, uh, you know, the the, the alignments are kind of, of, the political alignments and political aesthetics are kind of um, mimicking what you see in the National Front in France and what you see in the original fascist parties in Europe. Um, so things that we, you know, 10 years ago did not associate as being particularly right wing are now like uh, being kind of co-opted or, or trying mm-hmm. to do it in the mold. Soccer fits perfectly into this, obviously. Um, so I think in, in a way that uh, having a left counterbalance to that in soccer is is, a, is appropriate and necessary mm-hmm. um, and a convenient microcosm, I think in a way that we shouldn't just let the foreignness and the surprise of it to many of us uh, overwhelm us and and um, kind of just concede the space. Right. I mean, I think you've, um, in private conversations with us, Britt, have alluded to your somewhat level of discomfort in, you know, soccer fans being national team fans and that kind of, and that sort of uh, tone of nationalism. You've talked about NYCFC um, having that tone of um, nativism to New York City yeah. that seems to... Um, when you, fascism comes to America, it'll be draped in, or holding the soccer ball and draped in the flag. And when you've got a team that's already covered head to toe in the flag of New York City, uh, there you go. All you need to do is pick up the soccer ball. Right. So, I mean, I think that, you know, I, 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 there is a ground for fascism um, in soccer support. But it's encouraging that uh, it, the mainstream ideology seems to be um, outwardly anti-fascist. The most prominent one, the most vocal one. Right, Mm -hmm. which is what's more important, I guess, in this America. It kind of makes you, I mean, it's just kind of crazy. Like, I was scrolling through various Facebook feeds, and and this article had come up, which is Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, good reason to discuss. But I had also seen another article that was linked within the comment section uh, of the article Peaches is talking about, and it's from Fader, and it says, the title is, Red Bull CEO is reported, reportedly launching a right-wing news platform that's right. being compared to Breitbart. Right. And doesn't that, that just kind of puts, it's, an inter- it's a very inter- it's an odd position to be in. Dietrich yeah. Mateschitz, yeah, he apparently gave an interview where he's expressed his support for Trump uh, and his committed money towards building a... Uh. Uh, new news network right and that's an interesting sophistication to i think this conversation because it it puts our interests you know we're supporting this team which is owned by that man right yeah i i've i've spun my yarn before as you said about the whole nativism of nycfc and i think um how it's it's insidious and i think you know one thing i haven't talked about before is that one thing you see all the all the time with some of their uh, self-styled ultras or hooligans or is like the imagery of Billy the Butcher from Gangs of New yeah. York, the Dead Rabbits. And I think, you know, in the kind of way that they do everything, uh, it's kind of seen as, as kitsch or like, you know, like, oh, fun New York history. Like, right. you've seen that movie. Um, but then you forget that, like, Billy the Butcher himself, one, was born in New Jersey. But two, uh, <laughs> but two, um, was was a main member of the Know Nothing Party. And was like, right. they were like the paramilitary wing right. of the Know right, Nothing right, right. Party, which was like, you know, the famous anti-immigrant nativist party in uh, New York and the entire country in the 19th century. Um, so I think when we view it for the, like, kind of the whole end of history, like, oh, all those things are in the past, they're not connected to the present, you know, it can be cute. But now it's like, oh, these things are not disconnected from the present. It's not really cute. You shouldn't be surprised that 
people feel at home, those kind of people feel at home with that kind of imagery. But to the Mattachitz thing as well, I mean, it, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to front like I'm going to try to draw a single line about why this is less bad right. than than that. I mean, I think it, it it's top down rather than us buying it hook, line, and sinker. I do have my bit, but how I think, you know, RBN1 fans at least are more resistant to their Red Bull bullshit, whereas mm-hmm. Blue fans embrace it with a unnerving amount of glee but it, it's bad like it's terrible it's unacceptable right Do you, i mean I, I the way you're describing the nyc thing it kind of seems more like a, a trojan horse right of yeah. which is i mean they figured out okay i don't want to get too deep but like they, you know they, they, fig, they figured out like the the language of our times they figured out like the way that we speak and the things that are in vogue and and they've gone with it and you know obviously the people who have created the brand and done the graphic design for NYCFC I don't think are intending this no, I think they're no. just going with it but our entire structure right now is more conducive to those kind of things than it is not and uh, case in point I mean it's built I don't know okay so it's it's built I guess back to the Madishits thing where people at the top whether it's Sheikh Mansour or Madishits have the control of the teams they can do what they want yeah. You know, as as long as they are the ones fronting this money and the ones who are, are on the board of MLS, you know, we can make our little TFOs, we can make our signs, and it, it's important, and it's important to do it. But as long as these guys have this money, it's they're playing their own rich man's game. And would you say there's no ethical? Yeah, consumption? I mean, yeah, that's the old adage. There's no ethical consumption here. At <laughs> least you can, but yeah, and then the very small little little bit that you can feel is you know at least if you're aware of that it makes you feel slightly better doesn't really matter i mean if you try to do something about it matters but if you gleefully celebrate it it just makes me roll my eyes at you which is my reaction to nycfc fans but yeah basically matters should not even have that much money in the first place Mm -hmm. neither should shake monsoor look at theirs yeah we should we need to expropriate their wealth make it a cooperative (laughs) Uh, team. Hey, we have enough red flags to start. <laughs> That's true, yeah. But, uh, no. Alright, so anyway, speaking of other... Uh, I mean, do you guys have any other top thoughts on that? No, I think we should put a bow on that before yeah, we, can we put get on that. way too deep into it. But, yeah. So, um, but please respond via email to what we say. I'm also, I'm sure this theme is not going to go away anytime soon, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. As long it's as true. it's administrations. And, we have another top-down news item, though, I think I'm going to talk about briefly, which is, I think it's this week. If it's not this week, it's next. But the Rebels have been promoting their, uh, you know, now annual philanthropy night for the... Mm-hmm. Charity Autism Speaks, which you may know from, you know, when they campaign and they, they use the phrase, you know, light it up blue, like the Red Bull is light it up blue. Right. This has gotten everywhere now recently. It's in MLB, the white, the white House lit it up blue, I guess, like had, did blue lights for this um, organization. And the story of the Red Bulls, I guess, is that Mark de Grand Prix either has a, a niece... A, a niece, I think. Or, or a friend who has a niece, or I guess, who has... Autism and was then moved, I guess, to uh, make this the Red Bulls, you know, I think most prominent philanthropy night that they yeah. have. Um, you know, we don't have, to my knowledge, a, a LGBTQ night or you know a Black History Month night. I mean, we don't have games in February. We had but, a Wings for Life game uh, with Eric yeah, LeGrand. but th- this is, I think, in my opinion, our most prominent yeah night. It is. No, it is. Um, and. 
there's actually been a recent um, news cycle uh, in in response to this, as it turns out, many many autism advocates are actually not fans of autism. It's, speaks. it's a pretty problematic. Uh... Yeah, it's no, by no doubt. I mean, by by um, clearly the most famous and most prominent and and well endowed organization right now. Um, but there's an article in Mother Jones this week uh, that was kind of exposing some of the criticisms from the uh, autistic community towards. Uh, autism speaks so they they're quoted here saying that throughout their history they've held points of view that are destructive to autistic people says john rob robeson who was once the only autistic on an autism speaks advisory board for example the organization has characterized autism as a debilitating condition that destroys families and prevents autistic people from living happy lives in fact, self-advocates argue, their disability is not something that needs to be cured, but a vital aspect of who they are. Mm -hmm. Many consider autism and other neurological defenses, such as ADHD, part of normal human variation. Given this, human, uh, given this neurodiversity, they argue, autistic people should be accommodated and supported in society, not cured. Figuring out ways to do this is where research dollars should most be productively flowed. Past efforts of Autism Speaks to find a cure, they say, is an implicit suggestion that the world would be better off without autistic people. Indeed, some consider this as a form of eugenics and call the organization a hate group. Yeah. Strong words, um, but I think I understand the critique. Right. I mean, this is interesting because I just saw a post on my Facebook news feed from someone who's autistic um, taught, and he, he, he made a comment question, like questioning whether you know, autism is a disability or a difference. Mm -hmm. um, and he seems to have come to terms with the idea that um, labeling autism as a disability is, um, you know, uh, kind of... It, it, it's kind of you know in in the terms of what like hateful things could be or or like it, it's part of your identity if you're autistic right right it's part yeah. of what you do it's part of who you are and and that it's 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 that people who are well-meaning but misinformed will often describe it as a disability but it shouldn't be or something that's a disease that shouldn't be right right yeah, I mean, the thing that strikes out to me here is that um, it seems like Autism Speaks has an extraordinary network of high-profile supporters and, uh, you know, celebrities and such. It was founded by the CEO of NBC Universal, I mm -hmm. think, only like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and it strikes me here that the reason the Red Bulls have kind of gone onto it is that Mark DeGrampri, you know, a very senior executive on the team, kind of single-handedly just like Decided, put it into yeah. the CSR portfolio. Um, it seems like this has happened with a lot of places. A lot of staffers forwarded it along to, you know, the person. The person, at, at, you know, at, at glance goes, oh, this is great. This is fine. And it's actually, as the article goes on to say, oftentimes more some some of, uh, you know, aggrieved parents or or really frustrated, you know, relatives and, and people proximate to autistic people rather than autistic people themselves right. who are doing it. And it, it's just not a... Not a um, seems like a cooperative way of actually doing uh, philanthropy in so far as philanthropy is a useful concept. But uh, Yeah, I don't know. This is a interesting topic because um, so my youngest brother is like a high is like has high functioning autism. So like um, when we talk about like I guess the message that like autism speaks has, it I think my interpretation of it is that it doesn't I, I think the it doesn't really target 
high, people with high functioning autism. I think the message that they're trying, or the, the the approach they're taking, is in in I guess in my opinion. And uh, I was doing a little research of, of I guess this this happens every year. Yeah. This is the yeah. same these same conversations happen every year. Yeah. Uh, because this is a, an annual uh, you know uh, sort of movement. Um, and uh, the the takeaway that I had really gotten was that like the, and, and and this is true. I mean, if you have low functioning autism, like you like the, the like it is very difficult to be a like to be a functioning adult mm-hmm. outside of either a caretaker or your parents or 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 your siblings or whoever. And so like the message and at least the approach that like autism speaks is taking in my opinion is that like it is like when they talk about like curing or at least uh investing in research to like further understand and sort of treat uh they're I think they're talking more about what I would see as like low functioning mm-hmm. people with autism. And so like um that when it, it I think it's different when you talk about people with high functioning yeah. autism. It's hard because like the conversation is just about people with autism in general whereas I think there really needs to be a distinction in that like that people with like low functioning versus high functioning like it makes a very very big difference in like how people uh can like integrate into society and then can be like you know uh, be supported through the resources or through uh like a a treatment process right I mean I mean I, I think it's kind of problematic to um you know try to talk about autism in that light especially because you know what what is the um, euphemism for talking about autism? It's that you're on the spectrum, right? And there, there's a huge, right. there, there is, a, it's a spectrum, right? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, but it's, it's also hard to make that distinction, um, regardless, I think, of where you're, you're coming from, because you know, like, a, do you draw the line? And b, um, I, I, you're still implying that people um, that live with autism are, are diseased or, or in that kind of capacity, right? Right. So I think that, I mean, I'm not trying to defend Autism Speaks. No, I'm just yeah. trying to add a bit more nuance. I think that ultimately, like, there there should be a bit of a change in their message. Sure. And that they should focus on, like, uh, like resources for people with high-functioning autism as well, which I feel like they're just totally neglecting with the yeah. message they have right now. Right. But at the end of the day, I think that the, the Lighted Up Blue Nights, despite the fact that I think Autism Speaks as an organization is problematic, I think that the events that are going on are still pretty cool in that what, just like the lowering the speakers having a quiet zone that kind of thing oh okay yeah, yeah i guess I've, I've forgotten about that aspect of but it. i think you know i think that like the awareness helps in like uh like having a response on a national level sure like i was uh i was uh, this was a couple of years ago uh, a year ago i was looking at um there's you know there have been like movements made by like national uh like groups uh i think the biggest the most notable example that i'm trying to get to is that like chuck e cheese's has like uh like mm-hmm. a day like it's like um it's like the first like saturday of every month that they like uh design specifically for uh, uh autistic children yeah. and like they do like a lot of like sensory right. uh, like uh they make a lot of modifications for like you know what exactly what you're talking about before yeah. alamo draft house does that too uh, yeah for some screenings they you know put the lights up a little bit lower the sound it's cool yeah. stuff yeah, and I mean, I you know, I, I think that there's warranted criticisms, but at the same time, like the like getting the like the like getting, I guess getting the like the word out a bit, 
uh, helps to like sort of change these things. Right. Of course. I mean, this is always a, a, a topic of discussion when you talk about philanthropy, right? In terms of like yeah. the effects of or the, the the benefits or the doubts. But yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting point to bring up and being conscious of the organization at hand. Um, it's important. I mean, you you should know what you're supporting. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, philanthropy overall is a difficult field as you're basically you eventually are just constantly chasing dollars. It's easy to have that take over the organization. It's just yeah. the nature of the field. I mean, there are plenty of other groups that are out there that perhaps, uh, you know, relative, relative, you know, they, 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 they do this a bit better than mm-hmm. Autism Speaks. Um, I don't know the names, the names of the groups off the top of my head. I'm sure we could provide them. But, right. like, uh, I mean, I guess it's all part of the getting the word out. Right, but at the end of the day, I think that um, having people um, make nuanced discussion about these kinds of conversations is something that is productive so yeah okay cool all right well that's segment two um on those different two different news items uh if you join us back for segment three we're gonna do our more traditional uh preview of the chicago fire this weekend two it's a dance we know the most Segment three. Uh, let's uh, recap the last weekend MLS action. Um, Rebels were not the only team to triumph in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Atlanta United uh, beat Mike Petke's RSL 3-1. Uh, Orlando continues their sterling start against and and wins away at NYCFC 2-1. Orlando's now five and one, um, and quietly also has. I think the exact same record against NYCFC that we do. Six wins or... They have a draw against them. Oh, okay. But it's very close. They've quietly dominated them. Uh, Elsewhere, we have um, New England and D.C. fighting out to a 2-2 draw, which is pretty darn ideal for us. Um, And then we have uh, Philadelphia choking a 3-0 lead (laughs) to Montreal uh, at home. For a 3-3 draw, Philadelphia are still winless this season, um, still looking bad down in Philly. And then, of course, uh, the final game of the Eastern Conference was uh, Toronto FC finally scoring some goals and, and uh, getting a win, another win, and beating mm. the Chicago Fire 3-1. A Giovinco free kick, though. Yeah. Mm. Chicago Fire, of course, are our opponents for this weekend, um, and they've done pretty decently, even though they lost this last weekend. They have 11 points on seven games played, 
compared to our 13 points on eight games played. So if you give them that game in hand, uh, they would be a point ahead of us. But they're the big news getters as of late. Even yeah. before the Bastian Schweinsteiger uh, transfer, really, I, I'd contend the Dax McCarty trade was, of course, the the blockbuster trade mm-hmm. of the off season for fans outside of the Red Bulls and the Fire. Juninho was a great or or a unexpected and high profile acquisition for them. Uh, David Akam has slowly had his reputation building for the last uh, three or so years, and now I think is an extremely respected player. Um, and now, of course, Bastian Schweinsteiger, who I think has only already scored twice for the Chicago Fire. Also, uh, Nikolic uh, was yeah. the other, other DP signing they got in the right. early part of the the the, the off season. Yeah. Right. So they're making the right moves. Chicago right. Actually, got, rid, got rid of Sean Johnson, uh, which I think like is collectively like the best decision. Well, now. both like, of them wanted out from Sean Johnson. Sean Johnson wanted out, and oh, really? Chicago wanted out. Yeah. Chicago though has finally started signing some DPs that are working. I mean, I think Chicago had been in a habit for what felt like five to seven years of, you know, actually buying DPs, but then either getting bad luck with injury or just not having it work out. And, or and not getting the DPs they wanted. Right. <laughs> Who can forget losing the lottery on, on Drogba. Um, and Jermaine Jones. And, yeah, and Jermaine Jones. They were, or, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I knew there was there were multiple incidents um, in in Don Garber lore. Yeah, the envelope. Infamous envelope. Um, but Chicago, I think, uh, it, I have to say, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that you're getting respect right now. Because I think this is a cycle that happens in MLS. Um, where, you know, everyone finds one team to really dump on. Mm-hmm. For a while, that was Chivas USA, which I think, fair enough, yeah. It's clearly <laughs> a unique, terrible situation. Although people also forget how... They made the playoffs a couple seasons in a row mm-hmm. were pretty good when Sasha Klesterin and Jesse Marsh were playing for them. Um, but, uh, you know, everyone dumps on them. They have bad uh, attendance, you know, just not very good outlook. But people forget that people don't go to bad sports teams in any league or in any sport unless, you know, you're the Cubs or something or maybe even the Yankees. But outside the high-profile uh, the Knicks. Yeah, like yeah, oh, you're people totally people right. don't go to bad yeah. games. So this is just MLS fans keep beating up on teams. You know, before the Rebs made their 2014 Cup run as well, it mm. was the Rebs. People were really down on the Rebs, and they might get down on them again because they were playing in Gillette, DC. Yeah, 2013. Yeah, exactly. Colorado so it kind of it alternates. New England got really good by acquiring Lee Wynn. Um, and now Chicago on the up and up with these three new uh, midfielders, Nikolic and Akam. Do you think that Chicago have the most iconic midfield trio? Go ahead. Wait, wait iconic <laughs> or best? Or, or, or oh, you'll wait? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I jumped the gun on your meme. <laughs> you yeah, already made it. I, I, did, not, I did not respect your meme. Uh, whatever. Uh, I, I don't even respect your meme, so it's okay. I still think... You're I mean, like a little baby. Brit. You know, when we have uh, when we had Dax, I mean, <laughs> obvious. I mean, this is it's kind of a unfair comparison. I think we had the best midfield in the league. I think you know, Tyler Adams has been really been playing really good, really well. But I probably couldn't persuade anyone who's not watching Red Bulls games that yeah. he's among the best midfields in the league. But yet, yeah. Schweinsteiger, according to the graphics that they're putting out, is playing in the advanced role for them. Yeah, he's, he's playing as number 10, which is, I think, it makes sense. Schweinsteiger yeah. comes over to MLS, and he, he's, he has that. It's very 2.0, though. 
Yeah, but he's still Bastion Schweinsteiger. I mean, I like guess. he, like I, I think people forgot because he was just, you know, not even riding the bench at Man, uh, United that he, yeah. he's, you know, he played for Bayern until at a high level. That's true. I don't know, man. I take Felipe three times though. <laughs> yeah, <Felipe laughs> that's my. Felipe. That's a pretty fucking iconic midfield right it's there. True. <laughs> it's like how um, when Jose Mourinho said he'd take eleven Aspilicueras and yeah, yeah. So um, this is the homecoming of Dax, of course, uh, an event which has actually been sullied. If you thought we were talking about, or we had finished talking about uh, front office issues, you were wrong. Mm. Um, <laughs> there's been an issue where against uh, DC United, somebody uh, had a sign that uh, said, like, what is it? Fuck so it United. just said, fuck United, but it, it, has, it had the United the, uh, Airlines logo because of the incident that right. occurred. Yeah. Yeah, which was funny. I was. I, I thought it was I, a great sign. Yeah, I fucked up. I, and, they, and when they asked to remove it, they removed it. Yeah, I fucked up because the week that that happened, I was I was meant to make a joke about saying, you know, what's going to happen next? Either Citibank or Red Bull are going to get into like some other scandal, <laughs> and then for one of these three teams, it's going to be like the perfect double scandal that they can laugh about. <laughs> But alas, uh, Citibank's scandals and thefts continue every day unabated. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Britt, do you have political leanings? No, toward- <laughs> no. Um, but now the reaction, I guess, has been that they've been sanctioned. Yeah. Because apparently United is our official airline sponsor. Um, also, I mean, they also mentioned a the fuck Ohio scarf. That was separate. Was- Right. That was that's GSU. Right. So that's right. why they got sanctioned. That's bullshit too, because that is like I've seen that scarf before. It's a fucking meme. Like that I've scarf. seen it on the internet. It's a celebrated piece it of was, soccer lore. Because it was on the All Star game or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. But also when you think about it, like fuck Ohio. Like that's just like that's just a very many members of our soccer team would take offense to that opinion. Yeah. I don't think honestly I don't think they even would. So on our rec soccer team, there's a bunch of people that are from Ohio. I think they all acknowledge that it's a terrible state. I think that's I think like the number fun. one thing it's, that you do in Ohio. Yeah, is, it's that is you get out. There's some self-deprecation from involved. New Jersey. You don't do you get know? Do, do you know why they're the most astronauts are from Ohio? Because they wanted to get out. <laughs> that's true. There are like ten astronauts from Ohio. There are also a surprising amount of presidents from Ohio because they'd rather be in even Washington D.C. than Ohio. Ooh. I've actually. Been to Ohio, lest anyone thinks I'm just picking on a random Midwestern state. Yeah, I've been to Cleveland. I've been to Cleveland and Cincinnati, not Columbus, though. Fuck uh, Columbus. Cincinnati. But yeah. um, well, Cincinnati's fine. But uh, anyway, um, yeah. So now they've been sanctioned. So they had a TIFO plan for Dax, but alas, as of recording, it I, I guess cannot be. Unfurled. <laughs> someone made a well, joke. I that, think. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, someone made a joke that um, Viking Army should do with that. <laughs> well, no. I mean, it was on the it was on the Facebook, yeah, yeah. the Red Bull discussion group, um, which I always uh, very have my I have my fair share I, of apprehension. Everyone has mixed feelings. When scrolling through, because I feel like there's going to be one comment that just like makes my eyes roll so far back in my head that they won't come back the other way. So I um I I. I saw a couple of one, a couple of comments that were saying that VA actually has something in the works. So um, right. I guess it won't be a TIFO, which sucks, especially knowing yeah. that they were planning it. Um, but at the same time, uh, there will probably be something within 102, Could VA which just is nice. Use the rigging above 101 and be like, it's ours Viking too. Army. Yeah, it's, it's TIFO. Ours. Like VSC doesn't own the rigging above <laughs> 101. 
This is dumb. This is so uh, nobody, everybody would have forgotten about it. Is this also United just plays calling? into that narrative that everyone has about like VA being kind of like front office friendly too. Like it, it, not that I mean, they in this sense, in this instance, it sounds like. But I guess what you're saying, you're right. playing into the it, whether whether yeah. it's fair or not. Um, yeah. So shame on you, front office. So anyway, hopefully we can figure something out. Mm-hmm. It, it will be nice to to welcome Dax back. I will be applauding. Yeah. Uh, I will probably be wearing my Dax McCarty jersey. Hey, there was Lloyd Sam applause during the DC game. That's good. There yeah. wasn't his first game back. So I'm glad to see that apparently he feels better about us now. But yeah. Um, yeah. So other than that, we've got a, I think, D, uh, Chicago team that we've profiled right. already. I mean, Chicago, I think the Bastion Schweinsteiger signing has given Chicago a. a a new level within the media too like their games are trying to be nationally televised more because of Schweinsteiger sure I think Felipe is gonna murder him though oh yeah I love to watch that yeah <laughs> or Tyler Adams just destroying him no it's gonna be Felipe it's just it yeah, has to be Felipe he's gonna just do something I could see Connor so Laid making a like a, a Schweinsteiger's not particularly delicate I guess but I don't know I mean, so, do we think that Conor going to win a header? He's old, though. Uh, he wins a header every game. game. Hold up. Yeah, but on, on Bastion, though? Hopefully. Philip Lom is the German Conor Laid. <laughs> <laughs> think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying. You're not wrong. Yeah. Anyway. Conor Laid for Russia 2018. Yeah. Okay, so I think... <laughs> I think we're going to win this game. Yeah, I think it's a strong Chicago Fire team, but their, yeah. their defense is fucking... Also, we we have good history with the Fire in the last five years. Two of our shields were clinched against them. I don't think you could talk about that with the Chicago Fire team, That's though. That's true. It's also, we're also basically a different team now. Yeah. As are they, yeah. So, I don't know. But that was the end of Mike McGee's uh, MVP season, I think. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace, Mike McGee. Yeah. Or Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Um, you are Mike McGee, but you are Flappy Bird. All right, so what do we? What do we? How do we think this is gonna go? What are our predictions? Uh, I don't know. I, well, I mean, I think we're gonna win one nothing. Uh, but I think that because um, I don't know, it just seems right. But 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 I don't know. I I I, I came into this I guess thinking that like there was a lot of uncertainty because um, they were playing so well, but and they lost to fucking Toronto it was just I mean Toronto I think have always just been on the brink of making it I don't know they didn't look that great what, in the what last do you mean by games. that what are you talking about like brink of like starting to get good again oh this season yeah okay. yeah well, I don't know I mean okay. kind of like us they're, that's, they're doing a, an that's, us thing that's I don't know I it was in Toronto yeah that's true they couldn't I don't know they couldn't even beat Atlanta in Toronto well I think you think goes back but, but, but yeah okay that, we couldn't beat RSL that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess the point I'm making is that it's a fucking grab bag because the, there's just like there's this no. Is so stupid. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so far there's like really no good way. New to New England like, is either good or bad, and I can't tell. And Houston too. I'm, I don't know. No, I yeah, thought Houston was going to be again. good. Yeah, Houston's yeah. been good. I will say that Colorado. Houston's attack has been like Colorado's all over the place. Colorado's now in last place though. Yeah. So our. But L.A., though, too. So like, beating them, no longer quite as impressive. And RSL, despite being on an uptick since Pecky came in a little bit, also looking less 
okay that we drop points. But we still beat Atlanta, a hard-earned victory. I guess it probably evens out for what that's worth. So nothing in this league makes sense. Nothing matters. Let's just give up. It's just very (laughs) unclear to me because I thought Columbus was good, but the only two games that I've watched fully were the game when they lost to Chicago and the game when they lost to us. Right. Otherwise, apparently they're good. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) I don't know. And then, I mean, Chicago, they look great, but then they lost. So 1-0 win. Lost to Toronto. The point I'm making is that I don't fucking know. So (laughs) 1-0 win. Okay, so... I I think Chicago's attack is very good. I, I think that their midfield is very good. I think their defense is weak. Um, I think we have the home thing going for us. Um, but unfortunately, I think we'll finally give up uh, our first goal of the season at home. Um, oh, damn, you're right. I didn't mention that. Mm-hmm. We've still not given up a goal at home. I think we win 2-1. 2-1. It's going to be nervy at the end. I think they're gonna, we're going to go 2-0 up uh, and they score one and pull one back. I like this 2-0 pattern. I think we stick to it. 2-0. Does Dax get a yellow card? Well, maybe Dax gets a red card in like the third minute. Wow. Agent Dax going deep into cover. <laughs> cool. All right. Any last tidbits? Do you think the Koji fathead comes out? Oh, absolutely. I Better. hope so. Although, is that ban too? Does that fit under the description of ban? I don't know. Yeah, like, TIFO describes so many things. Like, how do you just say no TIFO? Like, if we brought in a poster, we could not bring it up? Is that... No, we'll just get in trouble. Yeah. As individually. Yeah. It's not... This is weird. Is this the first sanction that we're going through as Red Bulls fans? No, that can't be true. I don't think that's true. I don't think so. We'll see. We'll see in due time. Oh, there's one thing I remembered... One thing I've been meaning, <laughs> meaning to mention, just as an aside for a while, so there's a place, uh, like a couple blocks from me. It's just like a, a bar restaurant, extremely normal bar, bar restaurant. But they put out a chalkboard out on the sidewalk, um, and I just noticed that when they, like, they got a new one, and it was like an NYCFC Heineken one. Uh, I hate those. So this is like, I still have that huge pack of stickers that I have, <laughs> and I just had it with me. So I was like, ha, and I slapped an, a Red Bull sticker on top oh, of... Oh, you vandal. I know, right? I was thinking, oh, man, like, I was, I was you know... I thought you were a casual, a but really you're a Yeah, hooligan. really, a madman over here. Um, thought nothing of it. I was expecting someone to be slightly annoyed and peel it off, as it happens when I do this on the subway. Um, <laughs> but, like, two weeks later, I go back, and I realize, like, that, that board is not there anymore. Huh. And I haven't seen it in a month since. Huh. And now there's a chalkboard like on the wall or something that says Red Bull on it. What? <laughs> I'm just like, wait, what? I wonder if this small business owner is like, oh my god, did I choose the wrong team? Am I gonna be victim to who? Did I put, put, yeah. put the wrong team in the wrong neighborhood? Yeah, exactly. And the answer is yes, technically, yeah. But very clearly. Oh, speaking of overcoming my CFC things, you want to talk about your your Twitter conversation with the third round? Oh yeah, okay, that's good. Yeah. So uh, just today. Uh, Third Rail Coffee, which is a good, to- fine totally establishment, delightful small chain of coffee stop, uh, coffee <laughs> shops in the city, uh, replied to a tweet that we'd sent out like a year ago. A year, a tweet that we sent out a year ago, and I think got like zero engagement. Just totally forgotten. I guess they were name searching themselves on Twitter, and the joke was just that the worst thing about the Third Rail is that they ruined a perfectly fine chain of coffee shops. <laughs> Um, so Third Rail Coffee publicly responded to us saying, "What this?" <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm sorry, we missed this the first time around. Is there something <laughs> that happened?" And we just said, "Oh no, I'm sorry. There's just this group of people. They suck. 
but you were first, and they go, oh, yeah, we heard of them, but we didn't know. Thank you for letting us know. No, they're like, (laughs) yeah, we heard of them. Is there anything else we should know about them? And you're like, well. They're like, is there a reason why this would form a negative association with us? Which is like a focus group. Open the door. And I was just like, well, now that you mention it. I tried to be like, I mean, I'm just a hater, but like, (laughs) this is all totally true. By the way, like still, <laughs> and then they responded. Yeah, and they they were like really earnest about it in a way like, that. Thanks for bringing this to our attention. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh my god, what a big. <laughs> Is Third Rail coughing in a suit? Third Rail. Hopefully. <laughs> also, third rail electrocuted a kid to death in East Midtown today, so this is just a really big third rail day. Bad day. Yeah. <laughs> third rail. We should we should issue a press release about how <laughs> how bad third rail is. It's true. Yeah. Every time there's an electrocution, we should be like, yes, yet another victim. I, I already made that joke earlier today. But, um, cool. Maybe I'll remember all these other random anecdotes slowly throughout the season because um, I've, I've got them somewhere in my brain, but I forget them every time we actually turn on the mics. Yeah. Cool. Or or at the tailgate, uh, which you'll probably find us at. Yeah. yeah. It depends on how drunk we got in the... No, no, no. I'll be good this time, I promise. That was yeah. that was a, that was a me problem. Uh, <laughs> okay. That will it was not a team It was a collective action uh, problem. Shout out to listener uh, Benny. I, we've been trying to meet up at a game for like four weeks now, and I feel bad because for a different reason every time I fuck up and I don't actually make it. He also gave me a tip. He gave me an answer to a question we asked last week, mm. which is about DC and Philadelphia. Yeah. So that DC is in fact he he ran into a Philadelphia fan, a guy in the Sons of Ben, I think when he's traveling, and he asked him about. You know what's the deal with traveling support and what's the scene? He verified in this guy's opinion that, yeah, apparently Philadelphia has replaced Red Bulls in the hearts of many DC traveling support. Oh. Wow. Maybe it's a convenience thing, but maybe it's slowly it's, it shifting. It is so much closer. It is, I think, really geography at the end of the day. Oh my God, is that is that what's happening? DC, Philly, us and city? Is... Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay, probably. It's just going to be a couple diehards at the end of the day screaming Damn, at each other. Is it I mean, just, it'll be easier to look back in five years. Yeah. Like, yeah wow. Are, are, are DC and us just going to become, like, united against Liverpool? Is that, like, you know, we yeah, have the I local think, derby, and we also have, like, that kind of, like, right. longstanding think, rivalry. Yeah, maybe. Or, like... We just need to win a few more titles for that to happen. I think, like, Arsenal-Tottenham and then, like, Arsenal-Chelsea win one of Arsenal and Chelsea aren't very good, yeah. then it doesn't quite... It's not quite as... I right, know, it's like how Chelsea other, doesn't have a full... Or like Arsenal and United, I guess, more so. If, like, neither of them are good, then they don't... It's not as vivid as it was, like, in 2002 when Andre was playing for them. But anyway, reports from the field. Right. Long episode. Do the plugs. Yeah. View from 202 on Twitter. Vfrom202.com, Vfrom202.com slash shop. We're on Facebook at Vfrom202. Just search it. And we've been doing our Spotify playlist, too. It's it's turning out to be a pretty cool playlist, in my opinion. We like good music. We have great taste, you know. It's somehow working. I I just add my songs without any regard to what else is on the playlist, (laughs) so I'm glad it's working. Contact at Vfrom202.com. Oh, that's true, yeah. That, that is our email. That's Email us, especially if you're a fascist. We love fascist emails. Uh, if you're a dumb one. Yeah, sure. There are no smart fascists. It's true. Well, okay. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, so that's signing off for this episode uh, with uh, Dietrich... Oh, what was his name? Dietrich? Matis- Dietrich Matischitz, retired bitch. <laughs> Bye.
who I want to take Bad enough that I showed up late I had to leave before they even cut the cake Welcome to heartbreak